Good morning and welcome to this week's edition of the Premier Football Podcast. We are so excited to be bringing you a big Sam Allardyce special. I'm joined as always by my good mate Joe Mar- Joe Dar- Joe Marty. Sorry, Joe Darty. You've got a you've got a pint of a pint of wine with you, or have you gone for the mug of gravy this morning, Joe? I've gone for the mug of gravy, Ray. I was. <laughs> it, it was it, although I am on my Christmas holidays already, it was a little early in the day uh, to, to 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 be to be on a a pint of wine. But uh, perhaps in our Christmas special next week, we could be on a, a pint of wine. It would be even better if, if, if Big Sam registers a win for West Brom uh, this weekend and then we'd have something to celebrate. But just off the bat, how good is it to see him back in the Premier League? We weren't sure if this was going to happen. We thought that, it, this, that he might have had his time, that he might have become one of these, these managers who was no longer approached for jobs when the going got tough. But a, a, a good traditional old Midlands club in West Bromwich Albion, one of the oldest clubs in English football, struggling at the foot of the Premier League with just one win from their opening 13 games. Ruthlessly sacked Slavon Bilic, who actually did a pretty good job. They don't have a great squad. Uh, they got a decent point away to Manchester City, although City did have about 30 shots on in that game. And what do they do? They bring in the uh, the survival specialist. And, you know, I'm so glad that he's gone to a club like West Brom, man. That's just perfect. It's just, it's just perfect for him to be at a Midlands club, uh, a, a lowly Midlands club. Last year for my birthday, um, I had the return of Jose Mourinho. I, I woke up to the news that Jose was back in town. I got up early to do a, a special feature piece on it. And this year, just nine days before your birthday, Joe, we, we have the, re- the return of the real king. I know. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited to just see how West Brom set up in their next game. Do you remember when he when he came into Everton and, and uh, he had replaced Ronald Koeman, hadn't he? And they've been playing a very they they've been, they've been trying to play a classic Dutch style of play. Although Koeman does like to play two holding midfielders, but then Allardyce comes in and it's immediately <laughs> after just one training session, it's he's able to get his players you know defending deep, um, pumping balls up to a to a, to a target man and prioritizing crosses and, and set pieces over more intricate pieces of passing than, than uh, his predecessor would have been thing for. And this is the thing about West Brom. They actually came up playing really, really nice football. They conceded a rake of goals in the championship, but they were scoring two or three a goal, uh, two or three goals a game with, with the likes of Pereira being really, really involved and being really, really creative. Now, I, I don't know if that's the kind of thing that, that Sam's going to be in favour of. Do you reckon he's going to maybe try play like a, a sort of three, five, two, like ticky tacky midfield kind of like, you know, overlapping centre backs kind of Chris Wilder style? Maybe maybe like what we see at Leeds with Bielsa? I, I, I'd say that over the past two years that he's been out of the game, he's been studying Leeds United religiously and that he's going to completely change it. No, of course not. We know exactly what we're going to expect from him. <laughs> Bring in Sam Allardyce mid-season for, for one reason, and that's survival at all costs. And it is a big departure from West Brom. Slavin Bilic is obviously, interestingly, going back to, to, to when Bilic took over at West Ham, it was when Allardyce uh, was allowed to leave the club. They decided not to extend his contract and they wanted to go in another direction. Um, Bilic obviously plays a more expansive style of football. It's, it's, it's a big departure for them and he's, he's been brought in to, to, to save their season, so to speak. I think I think this is this might be his toughest job yet. In, in- yeah, like, like you said, West Brom, 13 games played. They've accumulated only seven points. Uh, they are two points off safety, though, um, because of the, the low quality at, the, at that end of the league. They're only four points off Brighton and uh, seven points off Arsenal. I still looking at their squad. It, it's it's not like when he took over at Everton, is it? I'm just going. To, I can't remember off the top of my head all of his recent clubs. He's just been at Crystal Palace. That was that was the one where and Sunderland. Crystal Palace and Sunderland were the two where he he did a really good job because he didn't have great squads there, and they were in they were in dire straits. But I think that this might be the trickiest one. I think it's very, very harsh on Slavin Bilic. I mean, like you said, that is a really, really poor West Brom side. He's not had a lot of time. He's gone before Christmas. But having thought about it yesterday, I think if you're going to, if you want to stay in the Premier League, yeah, you you need to make ruthless decisions like this. You've got to bring in someone that is proven, that has the ability to keep teams that are not good enough to be in the Premier League in the Premier League. And you have to give him a window as well. He's a former England manager, man. 100% success rate. 
for England. The, the only England manager ever, I believe, to have a 100% success rate. No, jo- jo- all jokes aside, I, 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 I agree with that. If you, if you sack your manager in, in, you know, after Christmas, it's a bit too late, especially for staying in the Premier League. It's a little bit of a different story if it's further up the table and it's like, right, this guy has to go. Like when United sacked boys, right? Right. <laughs> there are like three games left. <laughs> they wait. They, well, they had to wait until they could no longer qualify for the Champions League so they could give them a lower payout. Oh, was that it? Yeah, yeah until, that, until it was mathematically impossible to finish fourth, and then he was no longer entitled to such a such a large payout. Yeah, that makes sense. That, that makes sense. I thought it was just because oh, we can't keep this fucker around any longer. It's just it's just not working. It's embarrassing. Yeah, that makes sense. No, we, I, I mean, this is the time to make the move. 13 games in, we've got, what, 25 games of football left. He's going to have a transfer window. He's going to bring in some... Excuse me, uh, it's, it's been a few years since he's been in the game. So does he still have his players? It's not like he can bring in a Kevin Davies or a Kevin Nolan. Or, uh, <laughs> obviously, they're, all, they're both retired. Uh, but, you know, he's always... Pay, he, he, has a, he has his contacts, like every manager does, especially every, every English manager. He has his, 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 the agents that he knows well, and he, he has a particular type of player. Those contacts, not the not the uh, people that kind of got him in trouble while he was the England manager. It's the same type of person. He, <laughs> it's the same type of person. <laughs> we, we know what Big Sam and Harry Redknapp are like. That's the, they're part of the footballing underworld. Do you they're, remember? Do you remember when a journo um, asked Harry Redknapp what it was like to be a wheeler dealer? Oh, I do. <laughs> Moments in in Premier League media without a shadow. Such offense because it's true. Oh man, it's 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 very true, and I'm really really looking forward to reviewing um his first game next week. There's obviously just so much football coming at the moment. We're back, back with the Thursday show, the midweek show. We will of course be back next Monday as always. Uh, before we crack on with the football today, just a reminder: if you are new to subscribe to the channel. And smash a like on the video and be sure to keep coming back for, for brilliant content. Joe, there was a really good game of football last night at the top of the table. We don't get a lot of good clashes at the top of the table, um, but we had one last night. Did you enjoy it? I did, Rick. Two very distinct styles of play. I think that it's it's uh, it's fair to say. And it's also fair to say, although I, in our WhatsApp group last night, I was being a little bit harsh on Spurs just because I found them so tedious to watch. I mean, it's shocking football. And you also not, have a massive agenda against the club. I do have a massive agenda there, and a shame agenda against the club. Although I'm quite fond of Jose Mourinho, but when he when he acts like, I mean, come on, he said that, that Tottenham deserved to win, that Tottenham were the better team. How were Tottenham the better team? They had something like 24 percent possession. When when they had the ball, they weren't. I could think of maybe. One good piece of play that Pierre-Emil Hjoiberg did in midfield to get away from a couple of different players and play a progressive pass through. Other than that, it was long balls. Yeah, look, there, there was one team playing all of the football yesterday and you can understand why Jurgen Klopp was so happy with this team because it is so difficult to play football against that Spurs team. They, they completed something like 800 passes, had something like 20 attempts on goal. They were really, really going for it. But I think where Jose is coming from is that Spurs probably had the better of the chances when you think of Bergman hitting the post and then Harry Kane heading one over the crossbar off the floor from from two yards out from the corner they definitely had chances to to take the lead if not to win the game and and they didn't take them and they were punished and when so was did, that when well, hit the bar Liverpool had a lot of chances Firmino had two or three shots from inside the box which you never I, expect him to score though should have hit he should have hit the target from and then he scores a world a world class header it's very very odd um Sorry, I interrupted you there. What was your question? No, I, I was just making the point that, that Spurs did have some good chances to win the game. And even if that is their style of football is to sit deep and, and to soak up the pressure, they very, very nearly did exactly what they came to town to do. And I was scared before the game that we were going to fall into the trap. And at times it looked like we almost did. But I think... Of course. I think ultimately, once it once it was so tight going to the last few minutes, I... I the, the longer it went on, the more I expected Liverpool to win the game because these players have been there and they have done that. Reading a lot of stuff on social media over the last week, I'm reading Spurs fans writing about this being their their biggest game since the Champions League final in 2009 or 2019, even. And you know that that's a year and a half ago. Like every game Liverpool have played since then 
has almost been the biggest game of their season, the way they approach it with this next game mentality and this winning machine that they've been on. And they're just, Liverpool expect to win. Spurs would have been delighted with a win yesterday, but Liverpool set the standards that they expect to win. And I think if Spurs do have ambitions to, to go and challenge for the league, they need to do almost what Liverpool did. They need to suffer for that year. They need to perform really, really well. They need to run Liverpool really, really close. And then they need to go out and invest and strengthen the squad. Like if, if you imagine Spurs are now where Liverpool were in 2018, coming into that January window where they went and signed Allison and they went and signed Van Dijk. If, if Spurs are serious about winning the title next season, they need to start strengthening now. I don't see it. I see that this is Spurs' chance to win the title. Playing this type of football with the sort of players that they have, they're not going to be happy with that forever. While while, while the going is good, they're 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 buying into it. I I I think Harry Kane in particular looks very very willing to 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 work extremely hard and to sacrifice a lot uh, for Jose Mourinho when at, at the moment. But I would put that more down to to, the, to them winning games of football. Jose Mourinho has always been of the opinion that you take points against the the teams who could hurt you and you beat everyone else. And that's how he's been approaching the games this season. It's 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 incomparable to how Jurgen Klopp was approaching games when they when Liverpool finished second to Manchester City. Liverpool were blowing teams away week in week out. Liverpool lost one game all season against Manchester City. They were absolutely fantastic. They 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 were arguably the best team in the league. They were very very unlucky to not to win. Spurs are not Spurs aren't even in the. Okay, you can talk about the where they are in the league table, and they they are a very difficult team to, to, to team to play against. But I wouldn't put them in the best three teams in the in the country. I don't think. No, and and to be honest, I would neither. It'd probably be the Liverpool and, and maybe the two Manchester, excuse me, sides. In my opinion, Liverpool, Liverpool and City, and one other Southampton. <laughs> um. Yeah, and, and and I suppose what is this now? Do do you? And I know we both said on this show for for the season that Liverpool, we we both firmly expect them to go on and, and win the league. I think last night, with all of Jose's mind games and and talk of injuries in the build up, and, and Liverpool having these guys slowly returning back into the squad, like Liverpool do only get better from here. They have more players come back into the squad. They they will probably go and sign somebody in January as well. Do you see anybody catching them? No, I don't. I don't. Um, I see last night. I, I, I think it would have been a bit different had, had Spurs taken a point. I think that, that would have given Spurs a hell of a lot of confidence. Who, who knows? They might even still have confidence from this, from this performance because they were close. But I think that this can give Liverpool all the confidence they need to stop having these bullshit results against teams like Fulham. Where they turn up, and I, I, I you, we were having this conversation privately during the week, and you were saying it's because they played, they played so many games of football, but then they go and play against, they play so well, like last night, like they did against against Spurs. I don't buy into that at all. I think that they, I don't know, they've had too many off days recently. Uh, it, it also happened towards the back end of last season. Liverpool are, are perhaps not quite the the ruthless machine that they were for most of last season before before lockdown, but I still think that they're by far and away the best team in the Premier League. And you're completely right. With people like Thiago Alcantara coming back, Virgil van Dijk is back in full training, isn't he? Or is he still just he's, doing... he's not. No, he's not back in full training. He's not expected back until the last couple of months of the, of the season at, at, at the earliest. You know, himself and Gomez will be the, the bulk of the season out, but Thiago is expected back this month. Um, Ox and Keita were on the bench last night. Milner's expected back next month. It just adds so much depth in midfield. And that's... That allows Fabinho to play in, in defence for the for the majority of the season, which I, you have to say he he looks absolutely superb there. His reading of the game last night, I think, is 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 on a, another level to most to most other defenders in the league. And how he takes the ball out of the back and his his progressive passing is absolutely phenomenal. And honestly, do worse than to 
leave him there when Van Dijk comes back. Oh, of course. And I think the only thing, the only question mark about him playing centre half is, is it does he have the recovery pace? Because Liverpool do tend to play such a high line and he's just not anywhere near as quick as, as Van Dijk or Gomez or even Jordan Henderson or something like that. Like he, he genuinely looks like one of the slowest players on the pitch, but he reads the game so well. You look at Thiago Silva at Chelsea, um, defending still very well at the age of 36. Like he can't run, but he, he, he reads the game so well and he anticipates it that he just doesn't need to. Yeah, and it'll also be a little less uh, tough to take that he's wearing number three on his back if he's playing centre. <laughs> It's still be wrong, <laughs> but uh, quite as bad as if he's playing CDM. Right. Well, look, there there were some other fixtures um, midweek this week, and we'll start on Wednesday. Chelsea. I don't know if they slipped up away to Wolves or if Wolves have finally have got the finger out and and got the kind of result that we've um, we've come accustomed to to them pulling off over the last couple of years. I, I criticised them last week for for maybe being inconsistent. How how do you see this one, Joe? Is it Chelsea dropping points or, or is it a good win for Wolves? I think it's pretty typical Wolves. I mean, if you look at their form over the last couple of seasons, they've been really strong against the teams from kind of third place down to eighth, ninth, tenth. It's it's, it's been breaking down uh, teams who you'd consider to be worse than them. Aston Villa, although Villa have been play, have been playing very well this season, you, you'd have to say over the past few, certainly last season, that Wolves are a much better, much more complete team than Aston Villa. Yet they were unable to break them down and they lost at home 1-0. But then they beat Arsenal away, obviously Arsenal in awful form, and they beat Chelsea at home. Ruthlessly exposed by Liverpool, of course, but Liverpool can, can do that to you. They're the best team in the league. I, I, I wasn't surprised because I think it's the sort of game that Wolves turn up for. It's the games in, with teams that are lower down them that aren't so straightforward to win that they maybe struggle a little bit more with. Did you know that Chelsea haven't beaten any team in the top half of the Premier League this season? I do. And I, I was hoping you'd bring that up. I think that's... It's, it's quite telling, isn't it? I mean, we were, they, they, they were on this run and they, I mean, we were even starting to give them praise. We've been very reluctant to give Chelsea praise because um, they didn't start the season particularly well and because they had been playing teams that you would really expect them to be beating. Yeah, and we said we said it every week. You know, we said, look, yeah, it's another clean sheet, but who's it against? You know, and even I suppose that the most impressive result that they picked up was away in Europe. Was it um, in Spain? I'm trying to think who was in their group. They they had a, a clean sheet. Yeah, go on. Yeah, they had a clean sheet on the on the road in in Europe, and that, and that was the most impressive result that they had. Other than that, it was all lower table Premier League teams that they were that they were beating. And yeah, look, it's it's. Back-to-back defeats um, against Everton and, and Wolves, two teams that if they do have aspirations of winning the title, they, they have to be putting away. Question for you. How do they fare when they play Arsenal at the Emirates on Boxing Day? Oh, well, I, I suppose Arsenal are a bottom-half team, so Chelsea are going to win, aren't they? I, I, I thought you might say that. I, I actually think Arsenal will win that, funnily enough. Yeah, you're, because you're because you're deluded. Look, we'll talk about Arsenal in a couple of minutes, but uh, sticking with the Wednesday games, Manchester City won, West Bromwich Albion won. Big, big problems for Manchester City. I, 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 I cannot fathom the Gabriel Jesus situation. I do not understand how Pep Guardiola has allowed him to be almost first-choice striker now. Well, I That's mean... insulting. He is so below par, it's, 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 it's not even funny. Can you think of a worse reserve striker in the Premier League than him? I or mean, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure I can, but they'd all be bottom half reserve strikers. What's his level? I, I, I don't know, Joe. I, I don't know. It's, it's not title challenger, is it? It's not No, I don't think so. I don't think it is. And I think even Pep, after the game, acknowledged himself that City have had issues scoring goals. He, he talked about the, the injury to Aguero as, as a big part of it and, and maybe just lacking quality up front. So I think maybe he is starting to come around to the fact that they might need to reinforce in, in, in that area of the pitch. It's, it's big time. Do you know that Jesus had one more touch in the box than Aguero did in the whole game? <laughs> Jesus played, played for 18 minutes and Aguero played for 10. Yeah, I mean, look, that that that's really disappointing. Um, and obviously, as well, conceding a goal to West to West Brom, City had gone ten hours, I think, without conceding a goal in the in the build up to that game. So they had looked at least relatively strong defensively. Their their issues had only been scoring goals, but I mean, yeah, that that's a really poor result for them, isn't it? At home as well. 
Do you remember we were, it, it certainly is. Do you remember we were having the I Merit Laporte conversation a few weeks ago? I do, Joe. He's now third or fourth choice. He's been dropped. He hasn't been playing recently. They've even drafted John Stones back in to play beside Ruben Diaz. And they have actually been defending better. I look at that City team and it doesn't look right at all. I mean, the defense, they're, they're quite often they're playing um, Joao Cancelo as a, as a left back. Uh, don't like right backs playing left back. If you have the option to play, I know Mendy isn't amazing, but if you have the option to play a left footer there, just play a left footer there. I don't like a double pivot of Rodri and Fernandinho. It's very on Pep Guardiola. It's, it, 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 in fact, it's, it's incredibly on Pep Guardiola. Um, I know they did one of the game, but recently they have been playing a double pivot. I would argue that it is very Pep Guardiola because Pep Guardiola is incredibly stubborn. And he's gone out and he's signed Rodri and he's put his faith in Rodri. And Rodri has not been good enough. And Pep is continuing to play Rodri, he's sticking with him and he's trying to find ways to accommodate him and, and fit him into the system, even though he is not very good. And it's the same with Jesus. He's, he, he went out and he stuck his neck out for Jesus like three years ago and he's still doing it. He's still persevering with these guys because he likes them and he sees something in them that even if they're not performing week in, week out on the pitch, he continues to play them. But yet he sold Leroy Sané and dropped Leroy Sané, who was the best winger in the league two seasons in a row. He was the only City player to get double digits and goals and assists for two years in a row in the Premier League. And she decided he'd sell him. Yeah, he had just won PFA Young Player of the Year, hadn't he? Yeah, because he has a personality, because he was a, a little bit different. You have to treat your Mavericks right. I mean, they're, 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 you, you, man management is all about managing players individually. You have to manage the team collectively, but there are some players that need special treatment, aren't there? Um, he, he obviously has his type, the... the these players who tick the boxes for him, but Rodri is no Fernandinho replacement. And he no. doesn't even look that good beside Fernandinho either. No, he's not He's not at the level. Himself and, and Jesus are, are stinking the place out, to be honest. Hmm. And you know what? It, it, it puts too much pressure on Kevin De Bruyne because he's he, he was at his best when... You know, David Silva was playing as well when there was another creative midfielder in there who could give him the ball a little bit higher up the pitch, but he doesn't have the, the players in the team who can play quality passes to him in, in areas. He's having to find the space for himself, which just makes his job 10 times more. Well, I mean, he still has Raheem Sterling there, and I suppose between the two of them, they're, they're now expected to, to create the bulk of the chances, but it, it, it's, it's who's going to score. We know that Raheem Sterling gets a lot of assists and he gets a lot of tap-ins. We know that Kevin De Bruyne sets up a lot of goals. And look, he scores a couple of screamers as well, but neither Sterling or De Bruyne are going to go out and get you 15 plus goals consistently every season in terms of scoring. They need somebody who's going to put the ball in the back of the net. That man is not Gabriel Jesus. Sergio Aguero does that job if he's fit, but he's not fit. And he's also leaving at the end of the season. Like we said, like we said last week, I wouldn't be surprised if City go out and get a top striker in January. And if not in January, they've got to do it in the summer. They should go out and get Erling Haaland, who obviously has a connection to Manchester City because his father was their captain in the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Mm. But look, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I, I, I'd love that. I'd love to see him in the Premier League. I think we'd all love to see him in the Premier League, but I certainly wouldn't love to see him playing for Manchester City. Maybe he could come to Liverpool instead. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be some sign if you if you could. Yeah, look, um, some more games of football. I don't know. I, I know you were watching Arsenal last night. I don't know if you caught any of the of the Leeds Newcastle game. It was a lot of fun. I didn't. I didn't. Um, I haven't even watched the highlights. I have I, obviously seen that there are five different scorers. Um, yeah, look, it was it was a seven goal thriller, and it was actually relatively tight. It was two all as well, wasn't it? For a it, while, so Leeds then pulled away and and yeah. It was really, really tight until the last maybe 10 minutes or so. Um, you know, Newcastle Newcastle took the lead and, and it was kind of forwards and backwards. And, and when Leeds went 3-2 up, I was still saying, you know, don't worry, Newcastle fans, like, you know, you can still get one back. You're still in this game. And just as, as Newcastle pushed numbers forwards in the end of the game, the, the way Leeds break is just, it's just incredible. Like for, for the last goal, um, I think Leeds had a six on two in the Newcastle box. They broke from a set piece and they just, Everybody went. I think the entire Leeds back four ended up in Newcastle's box against two of their centre halves, and it, it, it's just, it's 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 fun. It's really really fun. Le- Leeds Leeds aren't very good. 
they're not going to win a lot of games playing like that. But when you come up against teams that are as poor as Newcastle, you will beat them. And it's really, really fun to watch. I saw that goal, uh, the Jack Harris goal on Twitter. It was amazing. They, they just... <laughs> it's like underage football, where, where, where everyone just bombs up the pitch. Yeah. Um, I, but, 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 they, but they do have direction about it. It's, it's a really unique style. I mean, certainly for a newly promoted team, you, you never see that. That's absolutely unheard of. And, and for... Do they remind you a bit of when, of when Liverpool weren't so structured defensively? Yeah, like 2017, 2018. Yeah, yeah, in the early Klopp era. And yeah, Liverpool they, were very fun to watch. Liverpool yeah. were very, very fun to watch then. It that, was, that, that, that's still my favourite Liverpool team, was, was that 2018 team. I think Salah's first season um, in the Premier League, where they just, uh, the, when they lost the Champions League final in, in Madrid, 2018, yeah, 17 18 was definitely my favourite season. You know, it was just swashbuckling football, isn't that what they call it? Heavy metal football, yeah, it was crazy. It was just end to end against every single team. <laughs> now, look, sadly, I, I've managed to go this far without bringing it up. I got through the the entire Liverpool game, but I mean, VAR was a, was an absolute farce in this game. It was a farce in the in the Liverpool game. It's a farce in every single game that I watch it. Um, I, I don't want to bang on about it, but Newcastle should have had a nailed on penalty about thirty seconds before they went two one down. Um, uh, Cooper absolutely cleaned out Callum Wilson, came through the back of him, took a standing leg, didn't get any of the ball. Wilson collapsed in a heap. Everyone expected the penalty to be given. Ref didn't give the penalty. VAR didn't seem to check it. And, and Leeds went down the other end and, and, and scored. Um, I don't... I, 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 uh, it, it annoys me, man, because it's not consistent. We, we, it, everyone says, well, at least, you know, you mightn't agree with all the decisions, but at least it's bringing in consistency across the league. But... but Man, from what I can tell, they just make it up as they go. It's the same as when there it was just the referee alone. It was consistent with the inconsistency of yeah. decisions. So there's there's precious. The, the only thing that's changed is that you see it. Uh, you 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 kind of see the thought process behind the people making these decisions a little bit more, and more often than not, it's it's absolutely baffling. But they they just didn't seem to check some of the things either. And, and in the in the Liverpool game as well, the, the son's goal was offside. He was offside, and Dyer handled the ball as well in in the box. He, he jumped over with his arms stretched out in front. How, how did we not talk about that when we were reviewing? Anyway, because no, I don't, uh, I, I don't want. I, I would have talked about it if we didn't get the result. It, it would have really upset me this morning. Anthony Taylor seemed to do his best to to give Spurs the points yesterday, but look, we got the win. I don't want to get bogged down on VAR, but I'm just, it's a joke. I'm, I'm sick of it. Every week we say it, and it just, it, it's getting worse and worse and worse. Right, you were watching Arsenal last night. They scored a goal. Yeah. Tell us about that. Possession at home to Southampton and half as many shots. I mean, <laughs> it, was, it, was a, it was a pathetic first half. It was pathetic. It was the same as the the, the, the ten minutes after half time was good. It was like um, against Christ, who did we burn against Burnley? Did you watch the Arsenal Burnley game? No, oh, thankfully it, 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 I didn't. didn't power to you yeah anyway we had a good spell before Xhaka got sent off and it was the same again here good spell after half time but then Gabriel gets sent off for a second yellow card and he was he was shocking all game actually it's the yeah I, wa- I want to talk to you about him because he's meant to be good isn't he he is he, he is good he had an off night he, he, he was out of position for Southampton's goal he stepped up and mistimed the tackle and he let Shea Adams play a simple through ball to Theo Walcott who finished brilliantly it was it was exactly how he used to finish for Arsenal when he was in form. He just dinks it over the keeper, uses the pace to get it behind and dinks it over the keeper. But yeah, Gabriel kept on mistiming tackles and he eventually got himself booked. And then about five minutes later, he just pulled, pulled Theo Walcott down for no real reason and he got sent off. And this is seven red cards in 33 Premier League games under Mikel Arteta. The next highest teams, I think there are three of them. I can't remember the which teams exactly, West Ham are one of them, but they have three red cards. So he's got more than double the red cards than the next closest team. And that worries me greatly because it shows that there's a lack of uh, discipline throughout the squad, that they're allowing themselves to lose their heads and uh, make ill-timed tackles or stupid decisions in the case of Pepe and Xhaka. Time after time after time, again, almost week in, week out. You cannot be successful playing... <laughs> playing half an hour every week with 10 men 
No, and they, they they get booked a lot and they give away a lot of free kicks as well. They, they spend a lot of time defending set pieces that they don't need to defend. And you know what? They end up conceding from a lot of them as well. If you look at the other end, I, I know I, I was talking about this privately yesterday as well, but I mean, Liverpool have been top of the fair play table since 2015-16. Um, Arsenal, Arsenal were, were top in 15-16, but every year since then, Liverpool have finished top of the fair play table and they've been up at the right end of the Premier League table because... I think there's there's a lot to be said for having good discipline in a football team. And there really is. You can't if you get a, a yellow card, you can't defend properly for the rest of the game. I, I said, what did I tell you yesterday about Jordan Henderson? Why why do I admire him so much? Because he, he reads the game very well. And because he yes, exactly. And because that means he very rarely actually has to make a proper tackle. There's a there's a big, big difference between stepping in and forcing someone to make a mistake and taking the ball off them and actually jumping into a challenge. Well, that that's the Italian defensive theory, isn't it? That if you have to actually make a tackle, you've made a mistake at some other point and you're out of position. Exactly, yeah. That's what people like Franco Varese and Paolo Maldini uh, and Alessandro Nesta were, were brought up on. Uh, I, mean, I mean, if you watch Arsenal play, there are so many times where their players make sliding tackles and make last ditch tackles or are throwing themselves around and are pulling people down. It's yeah. I don't know. It stops with the manager, man. Tell me. No, just in comparison to Liverpool, I think the only time you'll see a player go to ground, you'll see Andy Robertson go to ground sometimes to block a cross. And you might see Firmino take someone out at the top of the pitch to, to stop a counter-attack before it gets going. Um, but th- those are really the only two times you, you'll see Liverpool players committing themselves to tackles you'll see a lot of maybe blocks in the box but Liverpool tend not to not to put in big tackles because I mean especially in this day and age man you're just going to get done by by bogey VAR decision aren't you do you know why Bellerin missed uh, yesterday's game Uh, five yellow cards five yellow cards in 12 games (laughs) yep you'd be fairly happy with five goals in 12 games (laughs) five yellow cards in 12 games is insane Especially if he's not renowned for his tackling or his defending. And then that's, that's maybe why he's getting booked yet. No, a lot, lots of problems at Arsenal, right? Nothing new to add to what we uh, have discussed every week for the past two months. It's very, very, very frustrating. Mm. We, we, we talked up Southampton as possible European contenders. Two points dropped then, is it? Mm, yeah, I mean, it's, they, they, they hit the bar. But Arsenal also hit the bar. I, I don't remember Southampton creating any other real clear-cut opportunities apart from that. They did They did hit the bar. Nathan Redmond came on and, and he hit the bar. Um, but, but apart from that, they didn't have too many other clear-cut opportunities. They had lots of the ball. They were they, they looked like the, the, the team playing European football. They looked like the home side. They looked like a team who knew what they were doing. And in fact, that's the biggest compliment you can face Southampton at the moment is that every single player, even the, the substitutes, I mean, in Musa Gineppo, who looks a really good player, I hadn't even heard of him when the start of the season, and um, Nathan Redmond, they come on and it's very clear what their role is when they come on. That they're, they're, they're substitutes who are who are put on the pitch to to make a real difference. And the, the, the tactics that Ralph Hasenhutl has instilled in the team and the cohesion that the 11 and the 15, however many are involved in, in the games every week, is, is quite remarkable. And they absolutely deserve to be where they are. They're a really, really good football team. Now, I was hoping you might be able to help me figure out, between Leicester and Everton, how good these teams actually are. Because I have no idea, man. I, 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 I write one of them off and they go and pick up a big win. And I start to think that, you know, one of them has, has chances of, you know, breaking into the, the top four, or the top six, or, and, and then they go and lose two or three in a row. I mean, are the, what, what, what's the level of these two teams? Who's better? I want to say Leicester are better. Uh, that might just be because... But they just lost 2-0 at home to Everton. I know, I, I know they did. I know they did. But, often too, but uh, Liverpool lost 7-2 to Aston Villa. I don't think that means that they're worse than... <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I want to say Leicester because I'm a really big fan of Jamie Vardy. Uh, he's, he's, a, he's an amazing striker. But... I think when, uh, when, when Everton have their full-strength midfield, they're pretty good. 
they are both currently ahead of Chelsea, Manchester City, Manchester United, and Wolves from last year's top nine, and, and Arsenal, obviously, as well. They, they sit fourth and, and fifth behind Southampton. Where, where like, where, I, I, I don't know what to ask about these two teams, you know? I, I think Everton are actually quite a good team when they have their full-strength squad. They, they've been missing their full-backs recently, and I was actually really surprised to see them pull off that result. I didn't think that they had the, the strength and depth to do it. So I, I really don't know where they go from here. Can we expect Everton to continue picking up results this season, do you think? Yes, I, I, I think that the, the, I, I very much think that, uh, that Chelsea, that Manchester United, I was certainly Arsenal, Jesus, I don't even think we can put Arsenal in the conversation, uh, but certainly Chelsea and, and, and Manchester United, even Manchester City, um, and I think the jury is still out on Spurs, but you could call me a, uh, you could call me biased and I'd be hard pressed to argue with you. Uh, the jury is very much out on those teams and th- there are at least two Champions League places up for grabs if Leicester and Everton and Southampton are able to, to go the distance. I mean, I, there, there, there's no argument to say that... that we'll talk about Manchester United in a bit, but there's no argument to say that Chelsea have a divine right to finish in the Champions League places again. They've shown nothing this season to suggest that they're capable of doing that. Talk, to, have- me, talk to me about Leicester again for a minute because... There's no reason that they should be losing this game. No, there's not. I mean, they they had they put out a very strong team in in, in Fuchs, Fafana, Indeedy, Justin, Tielemans, Meldy, uh, Mendy, sorry, under Madison, Barnes, and and Vardy. I mean, that that's essentially their their full strength squad. Perez came off the bench, and um, they're they're not missing anybody. They're playing at home. You'd imagine Everton will will come and be relatively expansive. That that's what. That's what Leicester would want, space in behind them to break. And they, they, they've they dropped three points at home. There's not that much space in behind to break when Everton are playing Alan and Andre Gomes in, in midfield. There's not. And Abdoulaye Decore. It's, it's, it's very difficult to break them down. It's a very compact, very complementary midfield. Uh, they, they do everything. They protect the defence. They pass the ball around well. And they link up with forward players well. Um, tell me, tell me, tell me, Leicester's midfield again: Tielemans, Mendy, and Ndidi. No, um, Ndidi played at the back. Madison played at midfield. Okay, Tielemans, Madison, and Mendy. Yes, it's not a better midfield than Andre Gomes, Abdoulaye Decore, and Alan. It's really not. It's. It, I, I think Everton's midfield is 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 twice as good as that. Um, where Leicester have been have, have been really strong is 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 obviously in, in wide areas and teams on the break, and they've they've also been pretty good defensively. But Casper, I mean, did you see Richardson's goal? I did, yes. I should say it. Do you know that last season Casper Schmeichel had one of the lowest save percentages in the entire league? Yeah, man. I routinely ranks in like the bottom five of of uh, keepers in terms of save percentages. I've never been fully convinced about him. Neither have I. How could how can this not be talked about enough when that when he actually gets loads of praise? He does. I think he's a strong leader and he's kind of flashy and he distributes the ball well, but he actually doesn't save a lot of ones that you would expect him to save. No, he doesn't. If you're routinely ranked in the bottom half of of keepers for uh, shots saved, obviously there are other metrics we need to we need to look at. Uh, distribution is very key this day and age and coming claiming crosses is obviously very key at any stage in football but if you're routinely ranked in the bottom half of keepers in the bottom five keepers for such saves you're not a top keeper <laughs> and he lets his team down there if he if he, if he saves that it's a different game because yeah. you go down and you have to start trying to be to do something about it but unless you're able to sit back and play on the counter-attack against Everton if if they stay at nil nil for for longer in that game, so it's all Casper Schmeichel's fault, is what you're saying? It's not all Casper Schmeichel's fault, but I think that that's a. I mean, he, there's no defending 
that's that's it, that attempted a save. You you have to save that. It wasn't a particularly well hit shot, was it? It was from really far out. No, it wasn't. I mean, it came through a couple of bodies, and maybe you could argue that the defenders should probably get out and close them down a little bit better. Um, but it, it, it is one I think that he definitely expect to save, and I think he could see even from his own frustration that that he he thought himself he should have say he should have saved it. Um, man, across um a crossover in West Ham, um. Reeling, reeling back the years, Christian Benteke scoring again before being sent off. Mm. <laughs> he, he, he had threatened to, um, he had threatened to make a bit of a comeback, hadn't he? He had scored, scored last week. Did he score the week before, or did he score two last week? I don't think he scored. Four. He scored two in in, their, in when he scored five goals. Five, yeah. Um. I mean, he's had a fall from grace, hasn't he? Because regardless of his spell at Liverpool, he was always... A, I mean, he just didn't fit into the style of play. He actually still scored nine goals in the Premier League, which isn't a complete disaster, considering he didn't start week in, week out. But um, his record when he was at Aston Villa and when he first joined Crystal Palace... He went on a very long drought, a very long... Like a year. Over the last three seasons... So from 2017-18 to 2019-20, he had scored six goals across all of those seasons. So three in 31 in 17-18, one in 16 in 18-19, and two in 24 in 19-20. Yeah, I think he had gone an entire calendar year without scoring a goal until recently. As a number nine. Now, of course, he had starting for most of last season. They'd gone with Jordan Ayew and Wilf Zaha up front. But still, um, player who used to be scoring double digits 20 goals in the league that is is remarkably poor so yeah he's got three he's got three and nine this season so it was the two last week and, and the one last night but now he's let his team down and got sent off uh, yeah because he he'd formed quite a formidable front three with, with Zaha and, and, and Eze he'd been he'd been laying the ball off for them you know taking it and, and putting them into space and it, it seems to have been working for them over the last couple of weeks. So, I mean, he, he will be a loss next week, as strange as that sounds. I think they were considering releasing him last year, um, but they, they kept him on for another year because there was no better option. And, and he seemed to have almost come good until a, a moment of madness. Joe, you talk about a lack of discipline. A, a number nine can't be picking up two yellow cards in the same game, can they? No, they can't. Did you see That's the it. second one? No, no, I haven't. He, I haven't. he jumped with his elbow up and caught a defender in the face and, and was sent off for that. It's classic Benteke. It's there's really no, lazy. There's no excuses for a striker to get sent off for two yellow cards. I want to say for anything, but occasionally you you dive in. You know, it it happens. People put bad challenges in, but to be getting two yellow, there's just no need to be making challenges like that as a striker. You don't you don't have the excuse that a midfielder has or a defender has of having to make a snap decision and pull someone down. No, you know, it's <laughs> strikers don't need to make professional fouls ever. Um, I don't know if you saw potentially the goal of the season at the other end for West Ham, Sebastian Haller's overhead kick. I you, did. Talk, you talk about bicycle kicks, man. He absolutely whacked it. He did. Um, interestingly enough, I think it was in the same fixture a few years ago that Andy Carroll scored a, another incredible bicycle kick, bicycle kick for, for West Ham against Crystal Palace. And he smacked it as well. What's the best bicycle kick you've ever seen? Peter Crouch. <laughs> that was against, was that against Arsenal? Yeah, it was, yeah. What a hat trick that day. We were in the Aran Islands, weren't we? We were um, actually, yeah. In one of our great school trips where our friendship was, was formed in our early teenage years. I mean, years. You, yeah, absolutely. You th- you, yeah, in the Champions League stands out. Gareth Bale is very good. Ronaldo last year in the Champions League or two years ago in the Champions League as well. Uh, Wayne Rooney against Manchester City. Yeah, Berbatov against Liverpool was really good. Zlatan against England. Oh, God, Zlatan against England. Yeah, that was quite something. That was something else. Um, Trevor Sinclair used to score overhead kicks. For yeah, West. I think. History. And Paolo Di Canio used to score scissors kicks, obviously a bit different. But um, they have a long history of players scoring outrageous, uh, outrageous goals. Yeah, look, it was a great one anyway. He absolutely whacked it. I, I, I can't, I can't. Normally, there's a lot of technique that goes into them, and it's all about timing. But he seemed to time it. But he, 
you never see people like kick the ball that hard for the overhead. It's a fantastic skill and fair play to him. I don't know because there's there's been a lot of talk of him not being first choice for West Ham. So I mean, if he's doing things like that, how can he keep him out of the team? He's looked better recently. He's looked much better. He, it was a it wasn't it wasn't a very good season he had last season. But you know, sometimes you need to give players a year or eighteen months to adapt. It's a tough league to come into. Uh, yeah, and look, I suppose. That's it's no one wants to not see players do things like that. So everyone, I think every football fan should be happy when when a player scores a bicycle kick like that. As a football fan, it's just a phenomenal piece of skill. Credit to David Moyes as well for obviously giving him clear instruction about where he wants him in in, in the box because he scored a couple of good goals recently, you know. And, and I suppose as well for for really getting the best out of. Michael Antonio, which of course then obviously provides competition for Haller. You know, I think when Haller signed, he would have expected to be first choice at the club. You know, he mm-hmm. signed uh, signed on big money and said, "Look, I'm going to be the, the number nine here in this club." And his performances weren't great at the start, and whether that was an adaptation period or an attitude problem or whatever it was, Antonio came in, was first choice, scored a lot of goals, and and gave Haller a lot of time on the bench to to sit there and think about what he was going to do when he got his chance and you know what every time I've seen him recently he's been he's been really good so yeah credit there yeah yeah for sure Moyes is doing a good job bro. he really is one other game last night Joe Fulham Brighton nil-nil I think Adam Alana had one ruled out by VAR for what, what was a, a handball from um, Danny Welbeck in the build-up um, not a whole lot to say about that look Fulham at Another point for them that that's one they really wouldn't have wanted to lose. And another and um, another good defensive performance as well. After starting the season so poorly at the back, they really seem to have, have focused on those issues in training and uh, changed team selection around a little bit as well. And it's it's um, it's resulted in some better performances. I, I don't think I'm not so sure that we that we have the situation that we thought we had that the teams down the were quite as bad that we thought we had mm. <laughs> I think one of us in particular was was slating Fulham and slating Burnley as two of the worst Premier League teams in history yeah yeah I was <laughs> I still think they'll be the teams from 17th to 20th uh, man Brighton could get sucked down into it to be honest they're not the only ones and Brighton, Brighton can't score a goal. This is the biggest issue for them. Every time I see Brighton, they actually seem to play quite well. You know, their their, their build up play is quite good. They're they're quite strong defensively, but they they just cannot put the ball in the back of the net. Well, they they made the brave decision to sign Danny Welbeck on what I can only assume is a hundred grand a week contract because that was his salary at Arsenal and Watford. Um, if you look at his track record, he's not the man needed uh, to to bail out in terms of getting, getting goals when you need them most. He's just never been that player for for all of his endeavours. Uh, who else do they have up front? Aaron Connolly? He's also not really a, a natural goal scorer. Um, I, I know that he's Irish and he looks bright. <clears throat> I think he scored two or three goals last season. That's not great. Um, Neil Mope scored maybe 10 last season. Mope is the one that they'd be expecting to get their goals. He got off to a flyer this year, but he's tailed off the last few weeks. Yeah. Look, we, I don't want to talk to, spend too much time talking about them because there's not a whole lot that, that, that happened. Joe, there are two games tonight. Aston Villa face Burnley. That's a big game. Is Villa it? Have an opportunity. Well, Villa have an opportunity. If they win their three games in hand, having three games in hand is crazy. If they win their three games in hand, they will be second. Yeah. I mean, one of those games is against Manchester City, but... Uh, they dispatched Liverpool quite comfortably, didn't they? They did, in fairness, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, no, they, I, 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 Burnley were okay against Arsenal, but then Arsenal looked good. Um, so, that's, I, I think Villa should, should, should win. It's at home as well. It is. I, I think if Burnley come with any intention to, to try to play football or, or score a goal, that they'll get picked off by Aston Villa. But, I mean, they're going to sit deep, aren't they? I, I don't think they'll come with any intention to be taking the game to Villa. I think they'll sit deep, uh, wait for their set pieces. Um, you know, that's just how Sean Dyche sets up every week. Can I get a prediction from you? 2-0 Villa. 
uh, greatest to be involved. Fair enough. Um, the other the other game tonight, the, the big game of the night, the clash of the Uniteds. Uh, Manchester United go to struggling Sheffield United. Sheffield United have got one point from their 12 games. Is it an, an absolute guarantee that Manchester United rolled them, Joe? No, no, it's not. Because I don't think that this is the sort of game that Manchester United play their best football in. I, 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 I can't. I can't see Chris Wilder taking the game. Although he likes to, they like to play their football. I cannot see him taking the game to Manchester United, given Manchester United's um, record in counter-attacking. If Manchester United win their two games in hand, they go second. Now, mm. potentially second place, Manchester United, traveling yes. to the Premier League team with the worst record ever in the Premier League at this stage. Even that Derby County team in 2007-8 had accumulated they, six points at this stage of the season. Yeah, they picked up a win against Newcastle. Sheffield United have got one point and nobody, nobody expects United to go there and get a comfortable win. What does that say about Manchester United? What does it say about Sheffield United? And what does it say about the league this year? It's, it's, it's about the league this year that anything can happen and we're being proved that week in, week out. But going back the last few years, uh, we've been proved that, that that anything can happen. It's it's so unpredictable. It's, it's wonderful. Sheffield United were good last season. They've shown this season that they can still knock it around. They're, they're not terrible, but they've not been scoring goals and they've not been defending as well as you need to defend in the Premier League. So results haven't been going their way. As for Manchester United, potentially second place Manchester United, They've shown in the, champion, the Champions League <laughs> and in the Premier League just how flimsy a team they really are. They have a lot of quality going forward, but their defence in midfield leaves a lot to be desired. And if everything isn't going their way going forward, if for some reason the opposition have a particularly good game defensively, if the opposition set up in a way that doesn't suit their style of play particularly well, Against anyone, I'd expect them to struggle because their defensive midfield are really, really average. And it'll be up to Sheffield United to, to, to have, a, have, have a good night because they need to score and they're not very good at doing that. Yeah, and I think that's probably the only thing that, that actually would make Manchester United favourites in this game, as strange as that sounds. Obviously, United do tend to play better on the road. I expect them to get at least one bogey penalty that that's questionable um but no matter how badly they play I, I just cannot see Sheffield United scoring a goal yeah no I think I think I think you're probably right I, I I mean it's not straight it's not we're not we're not saying oh Manchester United are definitely winning but I think you know you look it might be a nil-nil but honestly I can't see Sheffield United scoring United could score an own goal maybe but right, I mean if you look at maybe Sheffield United, Brighton, and Arsenal, they're the, they're you, you never you never expect that they're going to score in, in any given game because they've just they've proven it's just incredibly difficult for them this season. I, I can see the look on your face when they group Arsenal in with Sheffield United and Brighton. It's painful. Right? <laughs> it makes me feel sad. <laughs> <laughs> Man, don't feel sad for too long. Just remember that Sam Aldice is back in the Premier League. Oh, man, don't worry. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a wonderful day. It's going to be a wonderful weekend. The weekend is almost here. It's Thursday. Uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful day here in South County, Dublin. Uh, we're, we're getting together tomorrow afternoon for... Uh, for uh, we're, we're working on a, on a project. Um, for those of you following us on, on social media, you'll know that there's a... There's Big changes happening uh, in the new year. The first of January, we've got some big announcements. Uh, we're we're hard at work behind the scenes on that project. So look, be sure to watch this space. Keep an eye on it. And um, thanks for thanks for joining us this week. Remember to subscribe to the channel, smash a like on the video, follow us on the socials. Joe, thank you very much as always for joining me. It's been a pleasure, Rafe. You take care. You take care as well, my friend.